The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, rugby fans, to another great episode of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show with your team. My name is Ty Braga, the host for today's activities, alongside Rob, the Hammer Hammerschmidt, Scott, the big guy Ferrara, and joining us here for today's rant to be able to tackle the boys, see if he can take the win. It is Jerome Jordan, the Warriors commentator. Jerome, welcome to the show, my friend. Guys, you you do great work. It's great to be on here. And listen, I'm just a last five or ten minute sub who can just run on the <laughs> wing. I'm not going to tackle anybody. I just need a <laughs> wide ball of space, and I will maybe get it into the try zone. I, I, I like your modesty, but you yeah. know you're going to look good doing it. And as I said before in the show, and the boys will agree, flattery gets you everywhere with us. <laughs> <laughs> so. If you are tuning in for the first time, let me offer an opportunity for you to learn how it works here on the Rugby Rad Podcast Show. Between myself and the team, we're going to debate the important points that you have chosen as the fans of the MLR Fan Zone. And what we're going to be talking about here today is whether MLR teams and the league itself should learn to advertise more. And if they do so, how will they choose to do it? What are some of the ideas that these guys can come up with putting their best points forward where they'll battle it out to be the winner of this round and remember the points mean nothing except all the bragging rights that's what they're here for that's the fun part and to be able to rant they each have two minutes in their opening segment to be able to tell us as many points as they can share about that topic again to remind you it is major league rugby teams should they advertise more and if so how will they do so before we jump into it, gentlemen, and before I hand it over to Jerome to be able to start it, I wanted to be able to open up this segment here a little bit differently. And I looked at some examples online of kind of a, a similar platform, somebody who might be doing something similar, a strategy, so to speak, and the closest I could find was the NFL. Now, some of the things that came out from that, three key points, is you need to be able to know your product when you're marketing, Right. So what makes you unique? What makes rugby different? We can all have a difference in opinion there, but we all agree it's unique to the sporting landscape in the United States. So definitely something of its own. And as a result, something to be able to market, right? And then the next point is know your sports market. Now, I think we can all agree that the sports market in the U.S. is already saturated. It's difficult to be able to find that perfect window of opportunity for rugby to flourish. And then how do you connect with the audience, which is the final point, is know your audience. With that in mind, we have that to be able to follow. Let's find out what Jerome has to say about this point. So Jerome, take the floor. Your two minutes start now. To advertise more. And I think uh, the points you brought up are extremely valid. MLR needs to figure out where the rugby fans are and where the fence sitters are that might be involved. The people that don't care about rugby, I don't think you worry about them as much. It's the people that have some interest in perhaps a new niche sport. We appreciate the sport. Obviously, it's happening in the United States at a higher level now. This domestic league survived not one, not two, and not even three, although a little bit with the pandemic. Going into year four is awesome. This is sustainable. This can work. And the league has chosen to look more at soccer than it has football for the model. And I, I think that that works. Major League Soccer built from humble beginnings post-World Cup in the mid-90s to a powerhouse that has a popularity. Not everyone, even in the U.S., loves MLS. They look elsewhere. I love Chelsea. I don't root for Real Salt Lake as much, although I do pay attention. But for MLR to grow, of course, they need to uh, get national TV spots in notable places. I think they need to invest some coin in that. I think they need more localized 
stuff, digital marketing, you can find rugby fans, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. They'll tell you where they are, target them, find them, uh, let them know that it exists and then get them involved. And I, I think that there is an opportunity to continue to grow this, to continue to get excellent talent from uh, international players developed domestically, not only from the NCA and those players, but with the pathways, the selects from different teams and uh, keep it going. Right. So many great points there. When you spoke about there's so many people of that audience, a potential audience, at least they're sitting on the fence, somebody who might have, you know, flicked the channels, seen a rugby game, thought it was interesting, never returned to it. Why? Right. So how do we in two parts, how do we get a greater reach? And then how do we get great engagement? So those are the two things when it comes to marketing that we need to be able to identify and we need to be able to convert uh, into you know, that casual fan into a rugby fan or that, you know, NFL fan who's looking for some other contact sport to enjoy. Well, here's a great product to be able to serve you. Let's hand it over to Scott to be able to hear what he's got. All right, let's get hot, fellas. So I think we saw with uh, the AGs coming in with that Sunday Night Football advert, um, it's blown open the doors about what owners might think they need to do now as far as trying to keep it up with the Joneses. And as we know, some of the owners do like to keep up with the Joneses in that respect. Um, But I think one of the biggest things, well, two of the biggest things in my mind are we finally saw the MLR come out with their Rugby 101 pretty sure they were listening to me about three weeks ago when I said the MLR should pick up that portion for the teams. So uh, commissioner Killebrew, I'll send my invoice to your AP guy. We'll talk. Um, But I think that's, that's one of the biggest parts in advertising is that now the league is getting into advertising and getting those fans that know nothing about rugby, like Jerome was saying and bringing them into the league. And now what the teams can do is get those on the fence fans by having those big adverts like the AGs had my real, my real question and thinking about this all day today was, you know, metropolitan teams, a lot of them, uh, you know, billboards, subways, buses, they do a lot of adverts on, on these, the public transportation. And, you know, right now in New York, public transportation is not being used as much, you know, due to the COVID epidemic. So I wonder if they are going to switch some of those, that money's into the digital marketing side. And it goes back to, again, I'm going to keep going with what I've been talking about this whole season. Esports, getting out there on your social media. What do, what did we see with the World 10s? One of the greatest things about the World 10s was the fact that you got all the behind-the-scenes uh, footage, whether it was from the players, the teams, the World 10 series itself. And and the World 10s was sharing everything the players were doing. So if you didn't follow a player, you, you don't know a player, they're not familiar to you, you still saw what they were doing. They were eating you know, fish sandwiches on a, on a yacht while they were relaxing on their day off on a Monday after playing you know, a couple of hard those games. Someone's going to do it, right? <laughs> Listen, I mean, if you're going to do recovery, do it right in a budgie smuggler on a yacht eating a fish sandwich, you know? So, I mean, but I think that that they need to take some of that that hard marketing they would have done, especially in the metropolitan areas, move it over to the digital marketing and really do social media right. Here it comes. I mean, Show me the yellow for two things. One, right. you, you said the word budgie smuggler. Which <laughs> <laughs> then secondly, you went over your time. But you did make some good points. So let's rewind. I, I always make good points, Ty. I, I rarely don't make good points when I go over my time. Let's be honest. Scott, you know what I love about you, though, is how modest you are. Yeah, you're modest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's rewind. Let's rewind. Okay, so... Digital marketing, right? You brought up that point. Absolutely key. If you're going to, you know, if you have your typical marketing streams, avenues that aren't really working, you can pivot, you can shift, and you can use the greatest resource available to you that everybody has access to, and it's the widest reach possible. Is it necessarily the greatest engagement? Who knows? Only those that can measure it. And that's the second half about digital advertising is that you can measure its success more clearly than if you were just doing digital print uh, advertising and those regular means. So certainly you can identify an audience as well because you've got these data points that can help you recognize, okay, I want to be able to identify um, potential, uh, um, let's say, audience between the ages of 25 and 54, male and from these regions. Great. You have all those analytics to be able to help you do that. That's an important point there. Scott, thank you for bringing up that one uh, well. Now, in regards to the advertising on a larger scale, who's already done it successfully, we have the AGs with their Sunday night football opening segment. Uh, I think it was about five seconds in length, right? Um, Scott, remind me. About six or seven. 
All right. So yeah, when you talk about advertising at that level, I would imagine yes, five and seven seconds doesn't sound like a big difference, but it does when it comes to money. Right. Correct. So, I mean, I think if they would have went for the 10 second ad, it would have completely jumped up. But people have to realize too, the amount of eyes on a Sunday night football game in the Dallas Fort Worth area for the Cowboys is like maximum effect they could have had. Right. So again, it depends on whether your priority is to have the widest reach or to have the greatest engagement. Obviously, that won't have the greatest engagement, but it does have probably the widest and possible reach thus far out of any team that has attempted to advertise because it hits the largest market possible where you have probably about, well, give or take, as NFL fans, they say that there are about 187 million each year that will actively engage in content created by them. And now this, by proxy, is NFL product. Because it's on the same platform, great idea. Let's hand it over to Ron. So I think for me, uh, the big thing is ROI, okay? Return on investment. They really have to decide uh, what mechanisms they're going to use to determine if they're getting the return on their investment dollars when they advertise. And so um, one of my thoughts on this was, what's their target market? You know, we've talked about that, but think about the difference. The AGs, the target market when you go after Sunday Night Football is going to be that demographic, probably 35 to 55, right in there, right? Did you catch that target market when you're spending about six, $550,000 to $650,000 on an ad buy for 30 seconds at that time slot, which is pretty expensive? Is that worth the ad buy, right? Um, I look at it another way, too. Uh, when you talk about digital marketing, marketing, who is your target market there? And how can you get the best ROI? Um, I think about my own son as we're watching Sunday Night Football. I'm watching the game. I'm seeing the commercials. But you know what he's doing during that time? He's looking at his phone, right? He's checking out social media. So in order to engage those younger fans, do you go through a guerrilla marketing campaign that's more social and digital media oriented? You know, maybe hit Netflix and some other some other things where, where they're watching the office replays and they have to watch the ad and they get it there. Okay, um, but I'm going to go a little bit differently. Individual teams, so that's what the, the league can do. Individual teams should build relationships in cities that have MLR presence, obviously, with other pro franchises. All right, so let me throw it at you. Dallas, they're new to the Dallas, the, the Jackals, new to the Dallas market. Don, uh, Don Nelson's already invested a bit in, in rugby, and we know Mark Cuban's a fan. Why not build a relationship with them, get adverts at basketball games, get a, get a, a connection with them? How about engaging sports personalities in the cities that are cult personalities? Um, we know Josh Josh Prey, while not a sports figure, certainly has an online media presence. He was saying something about rugby. The Warriors sent him a jersey. He's wearing it on a social media page doing his comedic bit. And I know that got some interest in the Warriors for sure. And, Jerome, you can speak to that. Um, how about, you know, um, um, things like Bobby Ayerbear and Nola? Huge cult figure in Nola. Played for the Saints. He's heavily invested in the NOLA Gold, and they use him, okay? How about Patrick Chung, Nate Ebner, building relationships with NFL players or other sports players, get them to buy into the league, just a little bit of an ownership, and then they have investment. They want to promote the sport, and they have a social media presence that you can use to leverage and promote your team. Excellent. Rob, I got a question for you. What goes well with wine? Cheese. Yeah, oh God! <laughs> I didn't see. I didn't see the two, though. I didn't see the two. In all fairness, sir, I didn't get a warning either. Yeah, I, I know. In all fairness, I didn't get warned. This was Utah at Seattle. Ten minutes of extra time. That's what I thought that was. Until <laughs> <laughs> the ninetieth minute. <laughs> all right. So, but it was good. I didn't want to break your rhythm because you had, you know, a lot of great stuff packed inside there. So let's 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 rewind from the thing that I think was was easy to be able to translate right now. So what can be adopted by teams? So you said, okay, well, look at these influential characters in sports. Let's look at them as influencers. Let's identify that they have a social media presence that we can tap into and we can draw upon that uh, audience that they have to be able to bring awareness to what we do. Perfect formula, tried and tested across every sport. And in today's world, cheapest and easiest way to engage new audiences and to be able to keep your existing audience engaged is through social media. So yes, absolutely. Um, more importantly, you spoke about how you can find players or other personalities 
that perhaps have a connection to rugby or organizations have a connection to rugby. There are examples of that right now where you have, um, you know, uh, the Dallas Mavericks who at one time, uh, or should I turn it around, Killaroo at one time is working with the Dallas Ma- uh, Mavericks. So certainly there's relationships you could build upon there. You must have connections still. Perhaps those are being followed. Perhaps those are being pursued. And it should be logically. The other half of it is you've got Nate Ebner, who's connected to uh, the Free Jacks. There's a connection to a high-profile player. You know, the list could probably go on. It's about players who previously might, may have been a part of the sport, want now, but are influential and still could help that rugby culture. So, yeah, it's nice to be able to identify those and form those relationships and use those to be able to help our cause. So, yes, I thought that was a pretty good point there. Um, absolutely. Uh, it does also come down to your key point was return on effort. So you said a number earlier that I want to circle back around to and help me understand it again, because maybe it was missed or maybe I misunderstood it, Rob. What was the number you said that was the cost predicted for a f- advert like the Sunday night football one that the AGs did? Yeah, uh, 30 second, a 30 second advert. Uh, it was 550000 to 650000 That fluctuates because over the last two years, obviously, there was a dip a little bit for the NFL uh, as a result of some of the things they had going on across the league and with their fans okay. but right in there. So a significant cost when you put it in comparison that no player right now, at least on the books, gets paid more than 45000 a year. So can you spend somebody's entire yearly salary on an advert of that nature? Absolutely. What has the greatest return on investment? Who knows, Right. But and, and it comes down to a priority about reach and engagement. And, and for me, that's the other question. I think with the social media component, there's a lot that they have the mechanisms there to measure your reach and engagement and, and what is your ROI. Uh, it's right. a lot harder to gauge that when you're talking about a huge ad buy on the national uh, stage like the one that right. the, the only thing you can measure is reach. Yeah. Um, but then it circles back around to some of the conversations we've had in the past. And I'm going to throw this over to Jerome. Now, you've got an experience as, as, as broad, in broadcasting, not only with rugby, but also with football at BYU. You know, what is the market difference like? I mean, are the fans really the same? And is rugby converting football fans? Um, and, and it's one that will be pursued for probably 50 to 200 more years, right, in the United yeah. States is figuring out how we can get this. And like I mentioned with soccer, I think this country didn't really care about soccer in the mid-90s hosted the world cup i think hosting the world cup in what uh the next several years in the united states hopefully is is the thing that could perhaps kick it in a little bit we were hoping the sevens in san francisco could do that a little bit it's a little bit of a bump but not a big one with the 15th world cup in a few years hopefully we're what 10 years into a domestic league uh people find out about it you continue to get international uh players i'm hoping that uh the local clubs and youth teams can continue to uh, grow at that level and go up that marketing evolves that you can find these people. I, where is, where rugby fans coming from is a great question. A lot of it feels like there's people who figure it out in the United States and they kind of tell friends about it. And maybe they come, it's foreigners who come in and then they say, Oh, we, we love rugby and you should uh, get involved in this. Right. I'm hoping that at some point uh, high schools and the NCA can get involved because I look at kind of volleyball and soccer, especially with uh, women title nine required uh, more scholarships and more fairness. Volleyball and soccer are massive with kids all the way up through college for, especially I have a, a seven-year-old daughter. What's her best shot at a scholarship. It's the uh, soccer team. It's the volleyball team. It's the, what the men have three and a half scholarships for volleyball. The women have something like 12. So it's, there's just more opportunity. So I'm hoping that that can grow as well. And football over time, I don't know if the movie Concussion helped. You know, people still love it. 187 mil was thrown out. People still love football. I love football. But at some point, if people come off that a little bit, maybe it's like, you know what? I can still get the aggressive violence in the safest way possible, which we know rugby when performed properly is the proper way to tackle. And it can still be fun and the movement and the things that bog down football. And frankly, baseball, baseball is dying as a TV sport a little bit. Rugby has that continuous movement. It's awesome. Soccer has that continuous movement. Right. And, you know, the, the, the key with soccer is how many people participate in it because you're building new fans rather than trying to engage fans from another sport that they enjoy and support. 
So let me ask you this question. Do you think that the best course of action in an ideal world, removing the obvious obstructions, that the plan should be rather to be able to focus on building your new audience by engaging the youth now, by getting them involved earlier than it is than it is uh, to be able to try and pull fans from another sport? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Probably building with youth. And, and that means you probably need to invest in making sure that this is something that is available to play. Uh, because rugby can be obscure to people. They don't understand the rules. They don't know what's going on, right? And so right. the Rugby 101 video, certainly that helps. But if there were more clinics and elementary school and, and middle school and, and in the high school, and I wish the NCA would jump in more with rugby, they have yet to, right? Um, that would that would be nice because then you get people playing it, and then it's top of mind. Then you're thinking about when you take your kid to a soccer game on Saturday. Maybe you're thinking about, oh, I might want to watch this at the highest level later. It's what I talked about last week: institutionalization, right? Not only at the not only at the grade school level, but on up and and even into college. Right. And then when it comes to college, women's rugby we spoke about is NCAA supported, right? Uh, and as a result, is one of the fastest growing female sports in the country. So it shows you uh, the measure of success that you can achieve when it gets the right support. Um, but that's a whole nother topic for another day, right? Uh, here's, so here's the thing, here's the thing Ty. Here, here's the thing, Ty. And I think athletic directors need to figure this out because adding women's rugby to your team gives you some Title IX implications. It's a cheap and easy way to help if you have a Title IX issue where Title IX in the United States is they're trying to get some parity between men's and women's uh, sports in the NCAA. Rugby is, is a cost-effective sport that you can make a team out of. So I, what I wouldn't understand is as an athletic director, why wouldn't the, that be the number one sport you went to? Right. And you bring up oh, yeah. point that there are funds that can be funneled that way uh, through a variety of different sources that would might not be accessible to the men's game. So, yeah. Sorry, Jerome, I didn't mean to cut you off. So please take the phone. Oh, no, a couple of years ago, the and I call the men's volleyball matches for BYU as well. They added in women's volleyball, beach volleyball, and the players are taken from the same sport. So you could get 15s and sevens right. at rugby, which is awesome. Yeah, and now hopefully tens too, right? Because that's the new code that's uh, not not new code, but it's the the version of rugby that's most recently been introduced to the U.S. and Canada. So. I'm I'm you know I'm, I'm wondering after I listen to Jerome talk about his experience, especially on a college campus, if for example um, teams like the Warriors, because there is such a strong team college collegiate program. Um, rugby program at BYU that they couldn't actually advertise at some of the college BYU football uh, games, other college sport, uh, sports teams games, and get a much better ROI, get that engagement of young players, young people in the game. You potentially draw some people on over that are maybe good athletes, just want to go to a bigger school. You 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 get them invested. They start to watch college rugby because there's a good college rugby program there. And then they turn into uh, warrior fans because they see it advertised and they see it being played up on the college campus. It's a whole hell of a lot cheaper than advertising with the NFL. Right. One, one thing that culture around yeah. rugby in Utah, obviously yeah. uh, Highland high and, and there's a movie made, right. And right. Uh, United has been really uh, effective on the national level uh, at the youth level. Utah is a really good program. Utah Valley is emerging. BYU. BYU fans love rugby because they won some national championships. Um, yeah. They've changed a few rules. BYU Everybody loves the winner, right? BYU Cal. I openly sobbed on the field at Stanford in 2009 uh, you know, when BYU beat Cal after just getting blown out. Because all my roommates were on the team. I was the only dude that wasn't on the team. People were like, are you on the team? I'm like, I'm flattered. Thank you. No, I'm not on the team. <laughs> but, uh, I openly sobbed when BYU beat Cal, and it was really special. BYU fans love rugby. I think that's a great idea, trying to engage that audience that, uh, albeit red, listen, this is the only time I'm going to wear red. I always wear blue. And and you think about – Yeah, you think about some of the, okay, where are the MLR teams and where are the national natural connections to great college rugby programs, right? And there are definitely some teams, uh, you know, uh, Scott, you're from New York. You talk about Iona all the time, and they have a really strong rugby program. Um, obviously, you know, in and around the DC area, you've got some really good, uh, strong rugby programs, uh, rugby ATL, obviously a connection with life. So there are those opportunities to really draw in, um, rugby fans with the university of Georgia is, uh, is down there near ATL. 
they could draw in a, a lot of college football fans just from advertising on a college campus uh, for the well, rugby the team. About, so then talking about drawing from fans and the conversation about creating or drawing new fans from another sport, college is probably one of the best places to be able to do that because you already have a built-in audience, right? You have the, their, their, their relation and their loyalty to their schools that they support. So arguably so, maybe they, you know, we need to be able to be pushing college men's rugby a little bit more, get it in, included in the partnerships and agreements um, that can help it expand and get the right resources. Because if you can, then you will have an automatic audience that supports that school and then the built-in rivalries across the nation as a result. So it can find that same sort of culture in at least a small regard that football or basketball may have for those same organizations, right? In the Warriors case, they have a couple of players from Utah. They have, I'm counting five from BYU. That number has been even larger in the last several years, but then you can follow them on the professional teams and right. Several teams, not every team, but almost every team has a select side or a, a development squad, right, that they're trying to put together. And then that's where these team, these uh, mm -hmm. players can come in and be a part of that, get some development, eventually get right. to the, the top flight side. And then, uh, hey, I want to watch that player because I like them at BYU or now, Utah or whatever. Now, piggybacking on that, what could the league do? So that we're talking about we're talking about things that the individual teams could do, right? But what could the league do in this area? And well, here's what I'm thinking: they have an established relationship with ESPN Plus. So why not use that relationship and leverage and say to ESPN Plus, we need to advertise more on these online ESPN Plus football games for rugby. We need to put some ads onto those uh, to those uh, platforms. Uh, and get some exposure with those younger fans who are watching their TV, college age play, college, you know, 18 to 25, that demographic. They're not watching a TV necessarily. They're watching on their phones, right. they're watching on their tablets, they're watching on the computers. Engage those fans. You've already got a relationship with ESPN Plus build on. Some great points there. I want to be able to just take a quick break as we enter the second half of the Rugby Rant podcast show. And before we do so, I want to be able to hand it over to one of our colleagues, Scott, the big guy Ferrari, as he has a message from one of our sponsors to share. So support for the Rugby Rant is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped just launched in the UK. We've gone years without using the right tools for the job. You can be one of the first men in the UK to experience their life-changing products. You know, the big guy has been grooming uh, since college pretty much. He grooms downstairs. It makes him more aerodynamic when he fights. Um, but you get the nicks, you get the cuts, you get the razor burn. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. And it's just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 in the UK. You know, it has uh, the, 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 Instead of having the metal teeth, it has the um, third-generation trimmer with the ceramic blades, which is reduces those those nicks and cuts and grooming accidents. Make your testies their besties. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RugbyRant at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. And use the code RugbyRant. Your balls will thank you. Anytime you put in the conversation – testes and metal teeth you want to try and make sure you remove the metal teeth from that conversation yeah. right so well that's, that's what that's what they did is, is is manscaped is helping you there <laughs> yeah that's what they did they got they got that ceramic teeth and i i haven't had an issue right i mean that's that's uh, i mean look if you you gotta make sure that you do it you do it right right if you're gonna do it go do it the right way so thank you very much for sharing that message Make sure that you're manscaped, right? It makes you more aerodynamic, Rob, and, uh, and so that you know uh, and everybody else knows. I like that. Okay, so gentlemen, let's get back to the hot topic here is to be able to once again be able to debate whether Major League Rugby teams and the league should advertise more, and if so, how. I want to be able to share some more notes that I found in my research that will help us identify some of the important points of how the NFL, as I said, I use this as an example, another great contact sport, and arguably so the most successful professional sports league uh, in the US and certainly one of those in the world. It's said to be able to have an audience internationally of 187 million a year, so they certainly must be doing something right, right? So here are the five things that you can learn from the NFL, right? This is through my research. I'll share with you boys and we'll debate it again afterwards. Number one, be consistent in your content. We spoke about this, right? It's not enough to be able to do it once. 
I refer to the AG's advert once. Cool. Great. Awesome. Will they still be talking about it a year from now? No. But if you're doing it every week on college football, maybe they would. So let's move on to the next point is it's all about the branding. Now, what that means is uh, community, respect, inclusiveness, all the values that we love and hold dear about rugby, present that. That's a part of your brand. That's what separates you. That's what makes you unique. So let's move on to number three is reward your fans. They are your customers. You can think of examples there. Fourth is don't forget about the untapped audiences. Jerome spoke about this, those people on the fence, people you haven't yet engaged. Where are they? How do you get to them? Finally, partnerships are important. Rob had spoken about this, forming partnerships with other leagues, with other organizations close to you and within your community. And of course, look further abroad, look overseas to markets like the UK and Australia who are already engaging in your content. Find a way to be able to engage them. So with that in mind, let's start it again with uh, Jerome. What are some of your thoughts in that regard there? I run the social team with uh, BYU TV Sports as well. So we've looked at kind of what content needs to go out, how much, how often. We've actually scaled back in some ways to not inundate certain people. But what I think the league could do and the teams is better get the highlights out and then have more stories and humanize these people. Right. With uh, Invest a little bit in production value with some of the guys and introduce who they are so that, um, li- listen, I, I, the type of people we are is we just want to go watch the games. But certain audiences want to get to know the players and then they'll go to the games, even if they don't know what is happening in the game. So I, I think that matters. And that plays into some of the things we do with the Warriors, community, family, tradition, respect tap into that. I think more video would be good. I want to see Major League Rugby tries on SportsCenter Top 10. I don't think that that's really happened. I think there needs to be more video on social, more on TikTok. People go, oh, did you see that big hit? Oh, did you see that play? I don't even understand it. But it's rugby. I'm interested in this. The formula, you know, arguably is probably one of the simplest when trying to be able to introduce rugby to a market like it is in America and Canada is just create the most awesome hype reel of big hits from rugby, awesome plays, the energy that you love from from rugby games and like a hard-hitting five-minute social media package and keep pushing that message out there because eventually people will become curious and curiosity means that they become engaged. And look what Seattle did. I mean, Seattle's a great sports town. They ta- they had the same colors as right. the Seahawks. And they said, oh, yeah, listen, this is going to be uh, in the spring, summer. Mariners are playing. I love the Mariners, by the way. I'm a Seahawks Mariners guy, so I pay attention. But um, they show up in <laughs> droves. Warriors have tremendous fan base as well, which is awesome. They tapped into kind of the Utah Ute colors uh, locally there as well. And uh, I, I think there's some value, like we said, in tying into that. But more video on social. I do, I do not see enough from the league and teams of the highlights as soon as they happen. Right. Scott, um, what were some of your thoughts there? I know you talk about being consistent when it comes to, 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 to marketing and keeping the message constant and keeping the branding on, on point. Um, what did you think of those points that the NFL holds dear and say it's a part of their secret to success? Well, I mean, it obviously works because you have fan bases in, in places like, you know, Green Bay, Wisconsin, um, and you keep them active and you keep that whole town is almost like a Texas football town on a Friday night. I've been there. I'm a Packers owner, actually. It shuts down. It's great. And the community is involved. And I think the community involvement has been starting with every MLR team. That That's fine. But again, you're already getting the rugby guys. You have to get those people on the fence. You have to get those people who wow. don't know anything about rugby. So I, I think what you do have to, and we talked about before, is partner with the other, the other sports. And why aren't we partnering with the NFL teams? Half of them have Australian kickers who played Aussie roles and probably played rugby union when they were a kid as well. So why wouldn't you grab a guy like that and say, hey, you know, we want to come and, and we want to support this guy, you know, uh, the, at Giant Stadium, you know, let's just say, let's just use Giant Stadium ex- as an example and tell the Giants, hey, we want to, you know, put on a little exhibition for you. The Giants, I know at Giant Stadium have these little turf patches that they do, you know, run, pass, or kick. And I think that's one of those that you can grab those football fans and say, hey, we're exciting. You bring all your backs. You don't bring your big guys. Make it exciting. Make those quick offloads. Play a little game of touch. Maybe put on a kicking exhibition with, you know, your better kickers and really kick it from deep and show them, hey, we can, you know, we can hang with the big boys. Right. So forming partnerships is not only cheaper in the long run than advertising and other means that are 
you know, more expensive, but it's a much greater return on investment. And that's something that uh, Rob has been saying this whole show. So Rob, let's hand it over to you. Yeah, I like what Jerome had to say about highlighting the personalities. I would have one caveat to that and no disrespect uh, to Ty um, in this regard or, or uh, you know, folks like yourself that come from, you know, major rugby playing countries. But I think they need to make sure that they are mindful of the balance, that they highlight American players. And I'm not saying exclusively, but that they have a heavy dose of American players because you want to engage American fans. And so you've got to have American right. fans see American players being highlighted and it's okay, okay to have foreign players, but you got to have American players in there. And right. I agree with that point, but to, to that point, and Jerome maybe can help me out as well. I know he's busy over there, but and what I wanted to be able to, to bring up is Jerome had spoken about the uh, major league soccer development and kind of as a, as a counter argument or at least a pattern that we could follow that has been tried and tested. So with soccer, it's always notable of who's coming here to play from overseas because it brings a sense of credibility to that, different. into that league, which does also happen for rugby in some regard, but you don't want it to be too overbalanced is what you're saying, right, Rob? Well, well right. And I'm not saying don't highlight Chris Robshaw. I, I, right. I, he's an obvious person that you should highlight. I'm just saying um, that it's important that, you know, um, the, the potential fans, a potential young player see themselves in the camera that they can see, I don't have to be from another country in order to play rugby right. at a high level. I can develop as a young player through the Warriors Academy and through their youth development programs and become that player. I, I want to add one other piece, though. I talked about, you talk about partnerships. Um, uh, I hope we get a Chicago, a Chicago franchise. But if I'm a Chicago franchise owner, I'm reaching out to one guy and I'm going to see if I can get him on board in my partnership team. Even if I just give him a little bit of an ownership stake, I'm going to give him a stake and something to, to pump. And that guy's Tom Waddle. Why? He is a beloved Bears receiver. Wasn't all that good, but Bears fans love the guy. He's on the radio. He has a primo time slot in the afternoon. The guy knows his shit about sports. And the fact that if you give him a little bit of taste, you bring him in, people will follow Chicago Beloved Chicago sports fans will follow him and will start to take notice of rugby. You just got to engage the right personalities. Right. Here. Ty, I just, Influencers. Yeah, Ty, I just want to, I just want to, I, I think back to your point about MLS and bringing names over, that helps rugby for rugby fans who already know about rugby. But, right. you know, you have to realize international soccer, these guys aren't just international soccer stars. They're also male models internationally. So your Beckhams, your Ronaldos, right? am I wrong? You know, Thierry Henry, no, right. you know, no, no, I'm serious. And don't get me yeah. wrong. You have James Haskell who, who was, who was modeling in France when he was, he was doing his rugby <laughs> right. in France, so but it wasn't international. They'd be in the back line. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, but no, but let's be honest about it. They were international right, stars right, right. in modeling and, and, and social media. So their draw to come over, even a casual fan of, of soccer or a non-fan of soccer will, will at least talk about it, you know, and don't get me wrong. People are talking about bringing Rob Shaw over, but it's us. So that didn't, that's not drawing from the new fans. So I don't think we can go that right. route and be okay, successful. At that you know, it's not bringing in new fans, but it is engaging the existing fans, perhaps overseas. So to that point, you know, Rob Shaw comes over, Harlequins fans start watching San Diego. So is it actually engaging new fans? Yeah, in part. Are they existing fans of the sport? Absolutely. But that, that brings me to my other point is what are we doing to engage audiences outside of the U.S. and Canada? You know, there are audiences when the Tasman Marco came over to participate in, in two matches, um, one with, uh, was it the Houston Sabercats and the other with uh, uh, Seattle, uh, the Seawolves. You know, you had on a Facebook watch 12,000 uh, Kiwis watching that match. Was there any follow-up? Was there any engagement where they were offered an opportunity to go, uh, to go meet them or to find another opportunity to go play in the UK against the side? No. Is it expensive? Obviously, also COVID has now restricted everything there. But let's imagine in a pre-COVID world, could they have done something like that? Absolutely. Could they have worked a media partnership with the Tasman Marco and Mita 10 to be able to show some of their stuff there of that match? Just show that footage to engage a rugby-loving nation abroad that will tune in to rugby here. Well, I think I think that the time zones help us as American fans to be fans of European rugby and maybe not necessarily going back. So you would have to really get a fan like Brandon Smith, who has stayed up till three in the morning just to be on our show because he's rugby crazy. So I'm wondering 
if it's easier to when we were talking about partners, like you just said, partner with a specific you know team and say, hey, you know, we want to be the quote unquote little brother of right X, Y, and Z, and say, well, you know, have your fans support us, and we want our fans to support you. Yeah. To that point, um, sorry, Jerome. I just want to hit this one. So to to your point, we have partnerships with uh, Old Glory and Scottish Rugby Union already that exist. Maybe they're just not being leveraged in the way that we can get the best marketing value out of them yet. Jerome? Yeah, well, sorry, I mean, right now it's, it's it, yeah, it's player driven and not marketing driven with that partnership. Right. Started in 2005, they set up a formal relationship with Real Madrid, like you guys are talking. They got a game with Real Madrid in Salt Lake. I went to it. It was unbelievable. It was so fun. Yeah. I'm wondering if, yes, like you said, Old Glory has this, right? If yeah. there can be that relationship, and unfortunately, some of these contracts are so temporary that you don't have the team in the right season, blah, blah, blah. But how fun would it be if there were teams that were coming into the right. United States and touring the, the domestic clubs, not just the not just the uh, test matches, but getting domestic clubs coming in from all over right. the world. Everybody likes the touring side. Well, you too. can get those touring well, sides coming over and travel to a few MLR cities. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, did it. Yeah. What? Sorry. The Free Jacks did. Free the Jacks Free did Jacks it. did it with the Cara Cup, uh, with right. the under right. twenty squad coming from Ireland. So I mean, it, it, you know, I know they wanted to make it more competitive, so they didn't take you know first team people. But heck, no I saw Munster beat. Right? Listen, I saw Munster beat Team USA in a rugby match, and I was still a fan of Team USA, and I was still a fan of, of watching the rugby. So bring the first side over. Right. I mean, you only test your medal by being able to compete right. against somebody better than you, right? And and by the way, those other relationships exist. Nola is partnered with Claremont, a French club. Right, that's right? true. I was trying to think of who the other one was, and I knew it was something French, but I couldn't remember. But obviously, Rob, the eternal source of Nola information. <laughs> but so, looking at the partnerships, there's a great interest for them. I mean, I, I think back to I don't know what the arrangement is with Nola, but their arrangement with with the Scottish Rugby Union and Old Glory DC is rumored to be that they have an ownership stake that is close to about twenty to thirty percent. Why wouldn't you want that to be successful? Why wouldn't you want to be able to cross brand, cross pollinate? Uh, you know, all those those important factors that you have at your disposal. You have the tools, use them. So, gentlemen. Once again, I want to be able to to identify those five key points for those of you that are watching the Rugby Rant podcast show here. Uh, these are the things that the NFL, again, identified, and I think they can resonate and be useful tools and guidance for where Major League Rugby is now and also, in addition, lessons learned from Major League Soccer as well. But it's, it's a formula that I think will work for any uh, professional league is be consistent with your content. Think about a 12-month uh, calendar, not just what you do in the season. It's keeping fans engaged in the off-season. Now, arguably so, Major League Rugby has done a great job in that. Shows like ours and more shows out there are continuing to be able to do that as well. So and then secondly, it's about the branding. Reward your fans. Don't forget about the untapped audiences and finally, partnerships are important. So I'm going to go once around the table, and I want a yes or no on each of these points to think whether they're hitting the mark or not. And, of course, you can offer a comment of how you think they can get there, and then we'll be heading out and we'll be giving Jerome his opportunity to share a special message to whoever he wants to share it with. So I'm going to start again where I started it, this episode with Jerome being consistent with their content. Do you think the MLR and the teams are doing well in this regard or not? And what's your comment? Uh, again, I'd like more highlights. Just I'd like more features on the players as well. This costs a little bit of money. Uh, you know, I do this with BYU uh, now. There's a lot of value in humanizing these people with features, but I also want to see highlights on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, right. Twitter. Okay, so that's a new introduction. So you're saying, yes, they're on the right path. It just needs to be more consistently done, right? More highlights and features. Okay. Perfect. All right, then, Scott, what is your thought in that regard? Um, I think it, it's team to team. LA has consistently told us they're going to do something in November and, and have stuck to that. Um, cert certain teams have been doing things consistently, whether it's weekly or daily. Um, the league is now starting to consistently post things about rugby education in November. So I think we're on the right track. Okay. So it's a yes, Rob. Um, I would say they, it's been inconsistent in the past. 
And it's been left up to individual teams, as Scott said. I think some teams have done a really nice job in this regard, staying relevant with their fan base. Um, but the I think the league has is getting better, but it could definitely – there's room for improvement in that regard. Sure, absolutely. I agree with you there. And you know what? Uh, with the, the truncated season, it's forced everybody to, tell. to be more involved online, right? Because it's the only way you can engage your fans and keep them interested. So everybody as a whole has stepped up in that regard, I believe. Uh, and I hope it stays at the same level and gets even better as time goes by. So the next point is uh, the branding. I think that, I mean, this is a general one. I feel like Major League Rugby and, and the teams echo the values of rugby very well, and it's attractive to the existing fans, um, but they're presenting their branding to new potential fans. How do you think they are engaging that? Do you think they do a great job of presenting rugby to new fans? So, Jerome, I'll open it up with you. I think there's work to do and there'll be work to do for a long time regarding rugby because it is a niche sport. It's, it, I mean, if it could ever get up to like this most fifth or sixth most popular sport, that'd be unbelievable. Right. Fantastic. So, right. Yeah. There, there, there's work to do for sure. I mean, to put in comparison, even in Australia, rugby union is by far not the most popular sport, right? Uh, it sits at probably four or five. Um, and it kind of, sometimes at one point it was the sixth because uh, netball had overtaken it. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hand it over to to to, to Scott. What's uh, your thought in that regard? There again, please. Uh, I think no, but again, I think they're starting to get there. Perfect, short and sweet. I like that, Rob. Yeah, I'm going to agree with Scott. I'd say no. Um, I think they're inconsistent in the way they roll things out, um, and maybe within another year they can get so they can get their technique down, hit their stride, and be okay. a little bit more consistent. And it's not uncommon for a league that's still figuring Young. in the uh, sport market that you're going to have that, right? You're still developing. So, yes, I recognize that as important. Okay, rewarding the fans. What is your thoughts there, Jerome? idea about highlights uh, rewards the fans. Uh, I would like to be able to see the, the Rooney highlights and the Seattle highlights a little easier on my social media feeds uh, so that I can be plugged in with that. I know full games get up to uh, YouTube quite often, but – Right. Probably not going to spend full two hours. Give me give me 20 seconds. Right, right. I mean, it's when you're flicking through in between. So there's little windows of two or three minutes that social media, like perfect little window of opportunities there. I get what you're saying. Scott? I think in 2020, we would have seen the that portion kind of grow. I know Rooney had several events set up that was, you know, a preseason ticket thing for preseason ticket holders, just meet the team, a Q&A with Coach McWilliams. This is stuff that they didn't get to do in the past, and they were setting up a year-end thing already prior to the start of the season. I think right. COVID just kind of caught, you know, COVID caught the right time, unfortunately. So I think uh-huh. you are seeing that, but we we it was set up. We just haven't seen it in action. Right. We should also recognize that a lot of these things are obviously taken in, in a perfect world scenario. I mean, COVID is obviously difficult for every. Uh, a sport when it comes to engagement. But I think that one of the ways that rugby has always done, rewarded the fans is access to the players. And this kind of ties into what you were saying earlier, uh, Scott, about all of these things were planned. And what you were also saying, Jerome, is that you humanize the players. These are elements that they already had planned and do well. They just need to consistently keep doing it, right? Yeah, and real quick, and the OGs are are starting to do that in this year when they're they're bringing fans to the new stadium and saying, hey, this is what the seats look like. Take a look at them before you even step, you know, before we even play a match. And, uh, so they did that think about as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent point. Yeah. Let's hand it over to Rob. I think it depends on the team. We've seen like the Free Jacks have an owner's club scarf, right? They did a really cool uh, thing with that. Yeah. And we saw that Seattle this year, they rolled out their jerseys. All the season ticket holders have their names on their jerseys. That's a perfect example. Um, here's my and, – and a lot of teams have their fans in the post-match celebrations – and I'm going to, you know, I, I have a concern here as a NOLA fan. You listen to Benji, and one of the, Benji's concerns was because he wasn't, like, in the VIP uh, season ticket holder section, he they he no longer has access to the post-match parties. And I think that's pretty disappointing for a guy like that, who is a season ticket holder, by the way. And so probably season, one of the most uh, uh, vocal. vocal supporters that yeah. they have. So you got to give your – it doesn't matter what kind of season ticket holder they are, give them right. access. I, I, yeah, absolutely. It's what should be one of the core rewards for them. Absolutely. Let's move on to the next point here. I want to make sure that uh, we have time to be able to give uh, the floor to Jerome at the end as we come closer towards the end of this episode. So let's go into the fourth point over here around the table again. Don't forget about the untapped audiences. Are they doing a good job of engaging new fans, not just the existing fans? Jerome, 
let, let us know. Yeah, I think it's just okay right now. Uh, I think in certain pockets, like San Diego seems to have done okay with this. Seattle's done an excellent job. Like those weren't all rugby yeah. fans to start with, yet they packed the stands. Uh, I think the Warriors have done a nice job with this as well. I, I called a game at NOLA two years ago. I was impressed with the crowd there on a crazy humid day in August against the Raptors. Um, yeah, I, I think there's, again, work to be done in this. And it, the, this is the biggest question is how do you tap into the fence-sitting potential market of rugby fans? I don't know that I have the answer right now. Right. I mean, it's fair, but I, I, I recognize what you're saying there. Let's hand it up to uh, Scott. I'm going to give Jerome his, his answer. Highlights. You said it before. Um, my, <laughs> I like it. That must be true. <laughs> my my answer to this is no, and we have to get better. Okay. Yep. Rob? Yeah, I'd agree. The league, no. Uh, they have to get better. Uh, some individual teams do a very nice job of this. Fantastic. Final point, boys. Partnerships is important. Are they doing a good job right now? Yes or no, Jerome? Yeah, a lot of these are similar answers, right, where certain teams are doing better than others. Uh, not only partnerships with local establishments that will help support financially and that are uh, good uh, and make sense for rugby, right? There's certain companies that just make more sense. But right. uh, and some of those in the Warriors case, like some of these guys work for those teams. And so that kind of ties in and humanizes them. Oh, they work for that construction company. They're a sponsor and so on. I, I think there's, uh, again, work to be done with this. I would love to see like Joe Ingles of the Utah Jazz at a Utah Warriors game. They've tried to uh, engage some former uh, NFL players locally. I'd love to see that relationship with BYU and Utah a little stronger as well. Perfect. Scott? Uh, it, it, it seems to be a different situation with each team, <laughs> um, and you're, you're starting to get there. I mean, some, some teams have you know meat pie uh, sponsors. Some teams have construction sponsors. Everybody seems to have their own physio sponsor, which is good. Um, but I think it's, it's team dependent, and if you put them all together on an average, it's mid-league, so we got to get better. Okay. Rob? I feel like a broken record. Uh, but in this particular case, it's not the league's job to engage with local partnerships. It's individual right. teams' jobs. And I think some have started to do a really nice job of this. There's definitely room for improvement. And again, I would say engaging the personalities and engaging the universities to draw new fans. I mean, you bring up a good point, though. It's the responsibility, as you said, of the teams to be able to form their own response, uh, sorry, their uh, partnerships within their community and, of course, work within their their, their, their regions. So, yeah, it isn't necessarily the responsibility of the league itself, but there is definitely those teams that are doing their part, some more than others. Definitely everybody's working towards it. Uh, you have to be able to think that they know this, they're working towards it. Is everybody there yet? No. But are they on that, that path? I believe so, ultimately. So, gentlemen, I wanted to be able to take an opportunity before we head out to be able to remind our viewers of the Rugby Rant podcast show that they can support their favorite MLR team by visiting those guys at the rugbyshop.com to get their gear from them as they are the official merch partner for major league rugby yeah. it'll be the utah warriors oh and the rugby rant as uh, scott pointed out so uh, rightly there by the way did i go through the wash a couple of times it looks a little faded there buddy <laughs> i wear it a lot i wear it a lot you wear it a lot i like it i like it good cover and don't uh, forget the uh, rugby shop just rolled out some new england free jack stuff this week the training jerseys are out right new for gear, 2021 right? yeah new so gear. we're gonna start to see more stuff it should be awesome right and their promotions are really cool by the way yeah. so as we head out of one season and new stuff starts rolling in like pay attention to some of like the utah stuff with the hoodies and stuff it was 40 percent off i mean right. that's the deal uh, and it's great quality stuff. I mean, I, I'm I'm sporting the Toronto uh, gear today because uh, our Canadian family also needs some love, right? <laughs> so, gentlemen, again, it has been an exciting debate. Uh, so many great points. It's a difficult one to be able to call. Um, I'm going to take the time to be able to think about it and hand the floor over to Jerome Jordan to be able to share his final thoughts. You got a message from anybody important? Now it's your time. Yeah, first off, Ty, Rob, and Scott, this was great. Real fun. You guys are doing good work in uh, promoting the league and talking about what's going on with rugby and, and to continue to grow this. This is great. Uh, yeah, excited about what the Utah Warriors are bringing. Remember the last win, the last game for the Warriors was a win at Seattle, the back-to-back -back champ. So I'm excited to see what Utah can bring. We are going to announce the new 2021 20, uh, signings and the entire team coming up on November 21st at Zions Bank Stadium in Harriman, Utah. 
before a selects game. So it's going to be fun. Fans are going to be able to see the team in person for the first time uh, as much as possible. And then they're going to watch the selects play. It's going to be a ton of fun. We're hoping for good weather in that one. In Utah, yeah, but. absolutely, right. And the selects have been doing great so far. But one of the things that I love so much, I think it was like five bucks a ticket for a game. Uh, yep. Like, how amazing is that? I mean, that's, Very, that's really what's so great about rugby, though, too. We didn't talk about it, but it's pricing is so attractive to people, you know, that they're pricing it and making it accessible. So, no, you don't have to pay 300 400 bucks for a ticket to go and watch your favorite team. It can be as little as 5 bucks, right? Yeah, and the Warriors are, are uh, sporting a team that's going to be pretty good. Very excited about it. Chris Latham and his staff of guys have really built a culture that is working not only with the top side, uh, top flight team, but the selects, the development uh, is going to be great over the next couple of years. Uh, the Warriors announced uh, about a month ago they're going to build their own stadium, 10,000-seat stadium, which is going right. to be awesome. We're very excited about what's happening. That's like going from like renting your home to like buying it. It's a big move. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and that's like a mansion, right? In, uh, right. In, in I know. It's a place for the family to move in because it's a multi-purpose uh, facility. Who's going to be the other tenants? We don't know yet. Um, obviously we don't know where the location will be yet. Hopefully that'll be announced sometime soon as well. But man, is it exciting to be able to think that there's going to be another purpose-built stadium in the league, right? Yes, you literally put concrete in the ground because the Warriors are going to be here for a while, right? So this is a yeah. very exciting time. Obviously Chris Latham, the legend from Australia's head coach, is very exciting. ton of Eagles uh, on this team and foreign players. So we're excited to announce the team and uh, it's going to be a fun season. Can't wait. I was getting ready to call the first home match against NOLA, Rob, and, and COVID hit. And I didn't even prepare my board because I thought we're not playing, but you know what? We've gotten through this to this point. We're going to get to the season, and it's going to be a really fun year. Hey, hey just tell us. Just tell us. You can go ahead and tell us. Sean Davies is coming out of retirement, right? <laughs> My old roommate at BYU, Sean yes. Davies. Yeah, That's right. he's listen. He's still got it. He's still got it. He's yeah. magic, man. He's magic. He was awesome. Who knows, right? A couple of surprises maybe on that roster. And uh, when did you say that announcement would be again, Jerome? November 21st, and it will be streamed live as well if people want to watch. Fantastic. I like that. I would suggest people watch that. Content. Sorry. Yeah, Yeah, just follow UT Warriors Rugby on social. Yeah, and definitely, if I were an MLR fan, I think you should watch that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be much anticipated from our side here on the Rugby Rant. And if you wanted to be able to like, follow, and share our podcast, make sure that you tag us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, under such. And, of course, we'll uh, be doing this every week, whether it's Wednesday for our run, pass, or kick interview, or each Sunday when we release another episode of the Rugby Debate Show that you know and love here on the Rugby Rant, your premier source for the North American rugby fan. Now, more importantly, we need to be able to crown a winner of this round and I think it goes again to our guest so I'm going to hand the win to Jerome Jordan congratulations I know this is an incredible win for you how do you feel it was like a penalty goal that was debatable but I will take it well you'll take it because I told you flattery gets you everywhere at the beginning of the show and you said you like what we do (laughs) I do like what you do I got the penalty try I'm good my light went out that must mean it's time to end (laughs) (laughs) well once again guys it has been a a trip it has been interesting it has been a wonderful debate and ultimately we know that there's a lot of work still to be done when it comes to being able to share the game we love with fans here in the u.s and canada and across abroad but at least they're on the right track content is there the rugby product is certainly there and the rugby audience keeps growing each and every year with your help as the fans. So make sure if it's not us that you like and follow, it's Major League Rugby. And we thank you for your time to share it with us here. On behalf of myself, Ty Braga, Rob Hammerschmidt, and Scott Ferrari and Jerome Jordan from the Utah Warriors commentating team, we say thank you for watching this episode of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.